In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. bunch of my friends stayed in Kaysville or Farmington. Like they just moved a little bit north and then a few of us moved further south, but hardly anyone stayed in Bountiful. It's like everyone's like <laughs> moving a little bit up or a little bit down. So that's so funny. I love Farmington. It's the prettiest. Are your housing prices insane up there like they are down here? Oh yeah. They're crazy. We bought five years ago. So we bought when the neighbors were like, prices are high right now. And we're just like, yeah, yeah, we know. We just wanted to like, we just felt like we we're supposed to move to Utah. So we're here. And then it just, it's almost doubled since then. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. My husband just sent me a Zillow yesterday or is it Zillow? I don't know what it was, something. Cause we were, we our one of our neighbors, their house was for sale. Anyways, like, I'm just curious. Yeah. Ours has doubled. And I'm like, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm like, because we bought in five, same thing five years ago, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a spec home and it had sat forever and like no one was interested and we're like, meh. So now I'm like, but where would we go? That's the thing. Cause I'm like, we've got all this equity, but we wouldn't, we would get a smaller house, less of a yard. Like there's nowhere, there's nowhere to go with that. Right. We can't buy anything right now. No. So I'm like, we'd have to move to like Texas or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you have to start your life over. It's not worth it. No, you would. And because our friend that, that does live in Texas, he's like, you could get the biggest house and all these acres for what you guys can sell your homes for in Utah. And we're like, but what about jobs and and then moving children? And <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was hard. How old were your kids when you moved to Utah? So our oldest was eight. Okay. Still little. They, young. Were, they were little and our baby was two. Okay. So, yeah. So was it as hard of a transition? Did they make it? Did I mean, kids are super resilient, but was it difficult for them? No, not really. Like our neighborhood in California was great, but it wasn't as family friendly. There weren't as many kids running around. So it was kind of cool for my kids to see. You can just walk out your front door and like pick which way you're going to go left or right. And there's friends. Yep. 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 That is awesome. That that's the one thing our friends moved to Virginia and they wanted just an experience away from Utah. They lasted one year. And then she's like, there's nowhere else for my kids. Same thing. She's like that. We could just have them go anywhere and have someone their age and a a big young women, young men's group. And she's like, it's just for families. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. We had friends move to Virginia and they also lasted a year. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, no way. That's so funny. Yep. Her name is, yep. The, the Becky Kruger. And so they just move back and they're like, we're done. That's it. <laughs> yep. This is it. Yep. That's all. Okay. Camille, if you, and it's McConnell, right? Camille McConnell. I just want to make sure I, I have to ask everyone. I'm like, make sure you tell me how to pronounce your name. Cause sometimes it's something really weird No, you got um, it. McConnell or something. And then we typically talk for like 30 ish minutes. I'm supposed to keep it to like a half hour. I usually okay. go over, but 30 minutes ish. And we, I don't have like a set. I, I'm sure Mark told you questions or anything. We just kind of talk about how you are doing good in your sphere, a little bit about your life. And we record it as live. But if, of course, if kids come in or a car honks or whatever, then we can edit it. No problem. Okay. Sounds good. Hey. You, you know what? I'm going to pull up to some shade because my like I'm going to get sunburned sitting here. Oh, <laughs> for sure do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to find shade. It's just right here. 
Oh, good. Yes. No, that would be no good to get sunburned in your yeah, car. Like, I was feeling chilly, but now I'm like, no, no. Okay. All yes, right. I, well, and the weather's been so weird. It's been like hot and cold and oh, I know. all sorts of things. So it's supposed to be like 90 again tonight. Oh, it's going to be hot today. Yeah. It's going to be so hot. Are you good right there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. If you're ready, I'm ready. We'll get started. I'm ready. Okie dokie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to have on the podcast today, Camille McConnell. Camille is a podcaster, singer, and life coach. Her podcast, called Bites of Clarity, features short episodes focusing on self-improvement and healing from loss. She spends a lot of time focusing on the topics of grief, loss, and healing since her three-year-old son unexpectedly passed away in 2018. As a singer-songwriter, Camille wrote songs around those topics as well that you can find on iTunes. In January, Camille sold her e-commerce business she ran for 10 years and is now focusing her free time on helping incoming Afghan refugees as they settle in Utah. She and her husband, Jeff, have five children and love playing competitive pickleball. For more info, go to connectwithcamille.com. Camille, welcome to Doing Good. Hi, thanks for having me. So we found out that we have someone mutually that we adore in common that we, I had no idea that, you know, one of my, the most amazing people and such a huge mentor in my life, Dean Kalin. Yes. So Dean has been, and still is, so I'm 37, but he started doing voice with me when I was 13 or 14 years old. So I have known Dean all through my awkward teenage years, which he used to tell me about. I remember (laughs) one time going to voice lessons and he's like, you look like a boy today. (laughs) Any other, like you could not say that to people, but I did. I kind of look like I have like no makeup on and I had a hat and we'd just been to seven peaks now splash summit. So like I had wet hair and like a big boxy t-shirt and like pimples. And I walk in and just awkward 14 year old. And he's like, you kind of look like a boy. And I remember thinking, I really want to cry. That makes me so mad. And then also like, (laughs) Well, that's kind of true. And it was kind of funny. And just, he was almost like my dad. Like he'd just say things and I would, he was just, he would be really blunt and really honest, but also in kind of a loving dad way that you, I don't know, you couldn't really be mad at him, but I loved, loved working with Dean. I've worked with him for a long, long time. So that's so funny that, that you know, and love him and have worked with him too. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. Just Dean's influence here in Utah, especially. I mean, every it's kind of like the seven steps to Dean Kalen. Like if you're an entertainer or a singer in Utah, you know, have worked with, have taken lessons from Dean at some point because he's yes. like the master guru vocal coach here in Utah. Well, I mean, I grew up in California and he was making his mark over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. And he'd come and do voice lessons. And yeah. like every once in a while, he'd come out and do stuff in California. And then he started really after Idol, when he couldn't fly out, he would do virtual lessons and over the phone with me. And that kind of took off, especially set him up for like during COVID where he's like, okay, you can't come in person. He would do virtual lessons. And he has students all over the world, like Sweden and Germany. And I mean, he has a huge European presence. So he's, yeah, Dean's kind of everywhere. That's funny. So, okay, Camille. So tell me how you got started with singing and songwriting yourself. How has that been a part of your life? Well, I've been singing since I was little. And then I started taking voice from Dean when I was about 14. And then his nephew, Abe, came out to California and kind of took his place. So I've been doing voice and singing 
since I was a kid. And I started writing songs a little bit when I was a teenager, but I kind of had like creative mental block. And I had, a, I would, could write songs and I wasn't really sure what to do with them or how to get them out there. And then my son unexpectedly passed away in 2018. And it was like that mental block, like the floodgates opened and I was kind of like channeling songs that were just coming into my brain, writing down words that would just come into my mind and melodies. And because of my connections with the Kalins, I, when we moved to Utah five years ago from California and I'd taken voice from, you know, Dean and Abe as a kid, I reached out to Abe and I said, Hey, are you still teaching voice? And he said, yes. And so I started taking voice lessons just kind of every month. And I knew that he was capable of, if you give him a tune, he can take the tune and he can turn it into piano accompaniment. So when my son passed, he passed on a Monday on Memorial day on Wednesday morning, I woke up and I sat down on the steps and I was just thinking like, how is this my life? You know, what's going on? And this song, this, these words came into my head. I was just thinking, Oh, sweet boy. And then there's this melody that came along with it. And before I knew it, I had written this entire song with melody and words just coming into my head and writing it down and like, thinking, what would the next line be if I were to make this into a song? And I called Abe Kalin that night and I said, hey, this is what happened to my son. He passed away from choking on a furniture bolt that fell out of his toddler bed. It was just like the craziest, most flukiest thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I was just like, I have this song that just came into my head. And I was like, I felt like God was like, this is a song that you're going to sing at his funeral. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> he just passed away like, less than two days ago. And you want me to get a song ready for his funeral on Saturday. But it, that really felt like the direction I was supposed to go. And so I called him and I said, I know this is last minute. Are you available to like come up with a piano for this song and come play for me on Saturday for this <laughs> funeral? And he was like, yes, absolutely. I'll be there. And um, so that was kind of my first song that I was able to finish. I had written songs before, like on the guitar, but I didn't, it was like kind of done, but I didn't know what to do with it. But after I had the piano, we recorded it after the funeral. We had the piano done because he figured that out. And then we went and recorded it in his studio. And I figured out how to get songs on iTunes. And so like, it was really big for me to be able to publish a, a song that I had written and share sure. it with the world. Because I've been bottling songs up in my heart for like two decades, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it was kind of like a release. It was a gift from heaven that all of a sudden I was able to write songs, push that publish button. So I was, my, my, my son passed on a, on a Monday and my mother-in-law passed on a Thursday of the same week. And then I, a song came into my head when I was visiting San Diego for her funeral. And it's just like, like I said, the floodgates open and all of a sudden I was a songwriter and I had the, the capacity to have someone come up with the piano part after I gave them the tune, right? Abe Kalin. And then, and then I had the ability to record them in a studio and put them on iTunes. And all of a sudden I was like, this part of my life that I've been wanting to pursue that I felt stuck in for 20 years, like I figured it out. <laughs> and had to go through some really difficult trials in order to get there and, yes. and to figure that out. And and how how heartbreaking but sweet that you would be able to finally do this for your son and, and for your husband's mother, that it was like a really a tribute to them that that helped you accomplish a dream that you had had and and it was for them and it was because of those those tragic circumstances that you were able to do that 
Yeah. I think it was like the silver lining, like the tender mercy from heaven that I was able to get past that hurdle. And part of the reason I think that I wasn't pursuing publishing songs was my music was something that was really precious to my soul. And like, I was holding it close. I was keeping my cards close because like I, at the time I was running, I, for 10 years, I ran an e-commerce clothing business. It's called modestpop.com. And it just kind of like, I'd always wanted to start my own business and be an entrepreneur, but that was something like, I wasn't super, super passionate about fashion. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was important, but I wasn't like my dream, right? Music was always my dream. And I kept my card so close so that I didn't really move forward with music, but I was able to move forward with other things like starting this business that I was able to grow and sell after 10 years. That was cool, but that wasn't like the most important thing to my soul, if that makes sense. And so the music was so, I was like, it was so precious that I was like keeping it close. And I was able to finally let that go and be like, yeah, it's precious. I love it. I'm I'm kind of like feel vulnerable sharing this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm going to be brave finally, you know? (laughs) It makes complete sense because when something means so much to you, it would be harder to fail exactly with, with something. So it's easy to be like, well, clothing, like, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. And if it doesn't work out, who cares? That wasn't my dearest dream anyway. Exactly. And so, and I kind of, I, I can relate to that after, after American Idol and I, I did a music career and I had an album and things and it, it was a, it was both a, a huge success and and I guess, uh, I don't know if a failure is the right word, but it didn't take, it didn't create a lifetime career for me in, in Nashville, like I thought it would. And so it was a success in that I, I wrote an album and I went to Nashville and I toured the country and I did all that stuff and had, you know, song on the radio, but then it fizzled out and I didn't release another single and I didn't do another album and my record label dropped me and all that. So then I'm like, well, so I can either shop around for another label and keep doing this or, <laughs> and I had, I, I had two little boys at the time. And so my, I had a, like a two-year-old and then an almost one-year-old. So they were super close. They're 21 months apart. And instead I started writing for Desert News and I'm, I just emailed them one day and I'm like, I like writing and David Archuleta had just tried out for American Idol. I'm like, I know David, he takes for Dean. And I'm like, (laughs) I know him. So I could like follow him and like get interviews with Dean and write about David, like a weekly idol update. And they're like, okay. And that little thing ended up turning into a 10 year blog and then column for desert news. And same thing. I'm like, I never, it was fun and it was great. And I loved writing, but it was still, it was still more safe. Cause I'm like, I don't care if anyone ever reads this, you know, I don't yeah. like it's fun and it's, I'm being creative still, but singing still is like, Oh, that was hard. And it was hard to put myself out there. And it was hard when it didn't work out. And when something is so precious to you. Yeah. And then I got to where I'm 37 now. And you know, it's been like 15 years since I was in Nashville. Now I sing and I do that because I love it. And it's a part of me and it's not about making money or, or selling a bunch of music or, or getting a number one song. It's just, Oh, I love music. And it's, and now it's that fear of failure, I think has left me a a little bit. And now it's more, Oh, this is just fun. And, And I do it because I love it. And I'm not trying to prove something. And have you found that now when you write songs, you put them on iTunes instead of being like, Oh, how far is it going to get? Is it going to climb charts? It's like, 
now this is for me and this is something I love and, and something that I enjoy doing? Or are you yeah. still like, no, I want no. to go somewhere and do something? Yeah, no, I, it's so funny because you can like make money from your songs. Well, most of the people I think that have iTunes, like pay the monthly fee to stream, you know, so you get streaming money. And I was talking to my sister-in-law. She's a, she's a composer for films <laughs> and commercials. And she has a lot of friends that are the professional music industry. And she's like, yeah, you know, so-and-so made 10 bucks last year on iTunes. And I'm like, yeah, uh -huh. I've made, I've made about 12. Um, yep. I'm pretty sure that means that I'm doing real good. <laughs> yep. yep. No, I, I, I never really had the opportunity to pursue music really as a professional career. And so starting posting songs on iTunes at like age 30, I think I was 35 when I started doing it, it was just an outlet. And I feel like it's kind of part of my ministry in a way where I've been through a really unique personal challenge of losing a child. Yes. And so it's kind of like the starfish analogy where like, you know, you can't save them all. Like I'm not, everyone's not going to hear my music, but, right. but the people that need to hear my music, hopefully will find it and it'll help be like solace for their soul too. I'm not yes. going to be able to reach everybody, but the ones that really need to hear my message, I really hope they find it because I think it's like a message for all of us, you know? I, I love that. And, and it is, it's more, I think when it becomes more about helping others and bringing others closer to their savior, Jesus Christ, and, and feeling hope and light and goodness, your, your creativity changes, your, your vocal ability is enhanced. Like it's, it's like when Parley P. Pratt says the Holy Ghost enhances every part I love that quote. Isn't that the best? Yeah, it even says it makes you more physically attractive. I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> it does. It totally does. It enhances all your faculties, your your countenance, your appearance, everything. And I think that goes for your your creative abilities and your spiritual gifts and the talents that Heavenly Father has given you. When you do it for the purpose of helping others and serving others, it makes you better. I, I can honestly say I have never sounded more beautiful or more on tune or more like how I hear myself singing than when I'm giving firesides or singing at girls camps. And there's just a yep. few hundred people yes. in a little chapel or a sacred grove up in the mountains. I'm like, man, if I ever sing like that on American Idol, I've never sung like that ever. It's those, it's those moments where it's not about anything other than doing it for those few people that, that need to hear it in your father in heaven. Oh, I had that experience last month. I was asked to sing at a devotional for, it's a mission here in Utah called Operation My Hometown, where they take service missionaries and they have them help rejuvenate the com communities that are hard pressed. Like West Valley has a couple of them, Provo, Ogden, inner city Salt Lake. And so my husband and I were service missionaries in West Valley for over a year. And I was, we were getting released and I was asked to sing at a devotional. And so I drove like 30 minutes to go sing. And it was kind of hard because my schedule's pretty busy, but I committed to do it. And I was singing Gets. Oh, I love and that. And I have never sung so well in my entire life. I told my <laughs> husband, I was like, that was my best performance ever. Like I sang at the beginning of the fireside. And then there was a couple speakers after me. I had people coming up to me like with tears in their eyes and like, telling me how it was stunning and magnificent, like these big words that usually, oh, that was nice. That was good. Yeah, was like, right. That was stunning. That was magnificent. And I was like, 
I don't know what Heavenly Father gave me a gift earlier that day. He reminded me of a vocal technique that I hadn't been like really dropping my voice, like my jaw so I could really get better range or something. I mean, it just, it sounded more full and beautiful. And I didn't think about that until I was practicing and it was like, the spirit was like, how about trying this? And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. And I sounded so much better. And anyway, like it was the best I've ever sung. And then the second time I think was the best I've ever sung was for a, a fireside for the youth. It was like a youth conference kickoff. I mean, it's those experiences where it's just really intimate. You're feeling the spirit together yes. and you're bearing your testimony through your song. Yes. And it's usually for straight people. I don't know as well. Not like my, uh -huh. my close circle. And it's right. like, that's when it just takes off. Yeah. Yes. And that's, and, and usually it's, it's never recorded. No one will ever hear mm -hmm. it, but those people in that moment. And of course, you know, our father in heaven and angels in heaven, I believe that they, they celebrate with us and they sing along with us when, when we are using our talents to bless other people's lives. And it's like, it's like we are, they're just, they're cheering us on. It's like, this is what it's about. It's about this. It's not mm -hmm. about the other stuff. That's yeah. what yeah. That is so amazing. So, <laughs> so your songs are on iTunes and the song that you wrote for your son, it's called Wesley's song. How, how were you even able to put into words or, or to have that spiritual download going through the darkest time in your life? Or do you think it's because you were sitting in that dark place, you were able to be more receptive to inspiration and the promptings of the spirit to write that for your sweet son. Yeah. So after, so he passed away really unexpectedly. It was Memorial day and we were planning on going swimming after we put him down for a nap and doing like a, a fire pit in the backyard. And while we, he was in his room and he found a bolt that had fallen out of his toddler bed that we didn't know about. And like a loose bolt that had fallen out of the wood and he choked on it. And it was like, he came running out and we called 911 and he got life flighted and they got the bolt out and somehow he still didn't make it, even though like on paper, it looked good, you know? Yes. Um, and so, so he just, came, he came out of his room. Oh yeah. Like we called 911 right away. Cause I was like, as a mom, I've had other kids like get food or something else stuck in their mouths. And so it's like kind of like part of the, the drill, right? Like, right. so it happened at first I was like, oh, we'll get this out. But it was scaring me. And it wasn't coming out right away. So I was like, we're going to call 911 just to be safe. And so we called them like the first 10, 15 seconds. So we really kind of did everything we could have done. Then they, they got there super fast. And like on paper, everything looked really good. So it was a huge shock, like completely shocking. And so when you're in that phase of grief where it's like you, you disbelief, like shock, you don't even know. It feels like the twilight. It is hard, I guess, to spiritually download, but also like the world stops. Like you're not worried about grocery shopping. You're not worried about getting kids to soccer. You're not worried about what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Like you have a lot of time as like your neighborhood and family rallies around you to just sit in your grief. And the spirit was so clear that that was his plan. Like heavenly father didn't really leave room for me to feel like the worst mother in the world because like the spirit was very insistent. This was the plan. And then my, my husband had had promptings previous that year that Wesley was going to die young. He had like two or three. And so no we were just like, this is it. Like we just, I kind of just like surrendered and didn't fight God on it. I mean, I wasn't like happy about it, but I was just like, okay, you know what? I think a lot of it was for my life coaching background. You can fight with God or fight with the universe or fight with facts, or you can 
surrender. And you're in a stronger mental place if you can surrender because then you're not fighting against like, if I were, for example, I'm wearing like a kind of a yellow shirt today. Like I don't want to be wearing yellow. I wish I wasn't wearing yellow. Like I don't want it to be yellow. Like that's not going to help me move forward. Like it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like arguing with facts isn't going to get you anywhere. So I, I think I was able to surrender because it, I saw it. It was, this is it. And like, am I going to fight it or am I going to try to like, if, if you fight it, you can't feel the spirit as much. You're just angry. You're bottled up. You're not letting emotions pass through you. And so I was just letting emotions pass through me. And so I was crying a lot. I was also feeling my son, Wesley, a lot. Like he was staying close. I could feel his spirit, like following me around in our home. He was comforting me. Like he was supporting me. So it was a really like really tender, but also like precious time because I was learning how thin the veil can be. And my spiritual capacities were expanded because of that. And so I think the spirit, I was more receptive to receive the spirit, this download of this song. I felt like, did someone in heaven write the song and just was like, Camille, this is the next line, write it down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. I don't know. Like I was, once I realized like a song was like coming, coming down, I started writing it down and I was, I was, the melody just kind of was coming and then more words kept coming. And then I was trying to think of things that would go with it, but I felt like it was just a gift, you know, it was just given to me. Were you, hold on really quick. Will you take honey out? Yeah. Thank you. Will you shut the door? Yeah. Thanks buddy. My dog was scratching on the door. Okay. <laughs> when you received the song and, and you were prompted to write it and arrange it, how, how were you able to get through, were you, did you sing it? Did you physically sing it at the funeral? I did physically sing it at the funeral and that was, yeah. So I, I called Abe Kalen, you know, the voice teacher, Dean's nephew. And I, he's the, the Kalen, Abe and Dean can just, you give him a tune and can create this amazing piano accompaniment, like yes. in two seconds without even thinking at it while they're eating a sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's, I just called him and I said, my son passed away and I've had this song that keeps coming to my head. I think I'm supposed to sing it at his funeral, which is crazy, but like, I'm just going to go with it. So do you mind if I like, if I send you a voice recording of me singing it, can you come up with piano and come play it for me on Saturday at my son's funeral? And he was like, yes, I will be there. So, so we just put it together. And I mean, I was kind of like, the spirit was like, this is a song you could, I, I, the song was coming to me and I'm like, Heavenly Father, do you want me to sing this at Wesley's funeral on Saturday? Is that what this is about? And I was like, you, you're kind of kidding, right? Like, I was kind of joking. I, I was like, yeah. are you serious? There's like, no you way. you really want me to do that? Like, that's a big ask. That's a really tall order considering <laughs> right. my situation. Right. The spirit was like, yeah, we want you to do that. And I was like, okay. All right, well, I'm just going to trust that this is going to work out because, like, this is kind of a tall order for me to call Abe and be like, hey, what you doing on Saturday? You know? Right. Well, and for come? you to like get through the song and be able well, to sing those words. You know, I asked my brother, my brother came to, well, obviously came to the funeral, but he's not a member of the church. And I was like, you know, Sam, if you could just sit on the stand behind me while I'm singing, like I could really use some moral support, like physically close to me while I'm singing this song. Because what if after I sing it, like I get really like shaky or I have a hard time walking down the steps back into the seat, like 
into the pew. So he sat behind me for the whole song. It was just amazing. And I really felt like my son, Wesley, was with me while I was singing. Like physically, his spirit was right there next to me. And my friend recorded it. You know, you're not supposed to like record in the chapel, right? But she just was like, she's like, I'm doing it anyway. So she gets her (laughs) phone out and she records it. And like, I guess you could say that was like, if I were to say like, I had a moment where I felt like, semi-famous I got like 16,000 views you know because it got shared so many times like mom singing a song at her son's funeral that she wrote so that was like I guess a fun little extra thing but yeah it was it was I just knew I was supposed to do it and I wanted to do it for him a tribute for your son a tribute for my son and also a tribute to heavenly father because he had given me this song and given me this the ability to do it and I just felt like it needed to happen and so I think I was just given extra like spiritual strength to pull it off because it wasn't like it was my idea. You know, it was like right. all heavenly orchestrated. And I was just kind of like, this is your task. We're going to help you. You can do this. Right. So do you feel like your your testimony, you talked about being able to surrender, which I think is a huge, it, it, it's, it's, a really big thing and and a really difficult thing to do and it's what ultimately our savior Jesus Christ did he surrendered his will to the father and i think it's so beautiful we have scripture reference to that of i would rather not do this i've changed my mind so and this is our redeemer who knew what he was going to go through and in that moment in gethsemane like never mind and and i i've often wondered about that like I wonder if it was less about him having to f- feel all that for himself and more about him having so much love and em- empathy for others, it breaking his heart to feel that for us mm-hmm. and, and, and to go through that for us and less about this is too hard f- for me and more like this is, this is breaking my heart for my, my, brothers and sisters who I having to feel that for them was was yeah. too much. And yeah, like if there was any other way around. If there's any other way that that I that we can go through that, that I don't and and for our suffering, knowing I'm gonna feel what they are all feeling because I have to in order to help them and how hard that would be for sure when my children are suffering, I feel like it's just as hard, if not harder on me watching them than, than them going through that. And I'm sure that's the same with our savior. It's being, having to feel all that for us anyway. And so when he asks, can you please, if it be thy will take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will. And of course he passed through that and he did it and he came off conqueror. And for you to say, I had to surrender my will that this was heavenly father's plan for my son. This is what he knew would happen. How, how did you do that? And I know that's maybe a really hard question to ask, and you're probably still in the process of doing that. But for those listening that have also lost a loved one, a child or a spouse or a parent or sibling, how do you even go about saying, okay, if that was your will, then, then, then help me through it. And I can have faith in you still, instead of being like, I give up, I'm crawling in a hole. I'm never coming out. Well, I think that it was such a hard situation that if I didn't have heavenly father helping me through it, I didn't know how I could get through it. And so it was kind of like, 
a submission like like uncle and it's like you know what i mean like like when you say just like i can't do this by myself like like i needed help so maybe it was because i just realized like with other trials i've had in the past i i don't want to try to do this by myself this is really too hard for me and i need all the help i can get from the other side the second song i wrote is called let the angels carry you and um we were in the hospital and saying goodbye to wesley i mean he had passed on but his his body was still there and he still looked like our son you know and then when you do the burial they don't look the same and so it was kind of like our our goodbye and he the the, the nurse that was there who was going to like pass his body off to the coroner she just we just clicked and we we were there for a few hours with her she would check on us and we were our my, my parents came my sister-in-law came we were there our bishop had driven us to the hospital and we were just like our i think our kids did our kids come yeah our kids came too and we were just letting us giving us ourselves time to say goodbye and my so so she she posted about it this nurse so she she just made it anonymous. Like we had somebody come in. It was a really hard day. We lost a patient today kind of thing. And I, I didn't know this when I met her, but she has like a really big Instagram following. She's like an influencer when it comes to like parent education and like pediatric and just like, she shares some like nurse tips and stuff. And her name's Shan Tripp, Shannon Tripp. And, um, my other, we have a family friend and she's another influencer and they know each other, they're friends. And so she saw the post on Instagram. She reached out to my husband and she was like, was this your nurse? And he's like, yeah. And in her post, she said something about, I've never seen a mother let the angels carry her so well, something like that. And I was like, that phrase like stuck with me because I didn't realize in the moment, like, I mean, I could feel Wesley's spirit with me and I felt like he was comforting me. He was, he was like, right next to me because he's just such a sweet boy anyway and he just wouldn't let his mama grieve by herself and i was like just close to him and when she said that that phrase stuck in my head let the angels carry you and so that's what the song became and i just think like i couldn't do it by myself and so i didn't try you know i needed to feel if i I was going to be angry at god i wasn't going to be able to feel my son because i was going to be blocking off the spirit and angels speak through the power of the Holy Ghost, right? That's what we learned in the Book of Mormon. So if you want to yeah. feel an angel, you have to be able to be receptive to that channel of communication to, via the Holy Ghost. I mean, I felt him like even whispering things into my mind. Like our two-year-old daughter was just, she was a mess after he died and she couldn't put it into words, but she was extra clingy, extra whiny, extra difficult. And she was two anyway, so it was really hard. And I was going to get her out of her room one morning. It had been like within the first week or two of him passing away. And he said to me, just love her, mom, just love her. And I was like, thanks, Wes. You know, like he was just with me. And so it's like, I'm not going to let go of that. I'm not going to, if I let go of God, I'm going to let go of my son and I'm not letting go of my son. So I'm holding on to my relationship with heavenly father. I'm going to let, I'm going to like, let the savior hold my hand. I'm going to do all the things I have to do to be able to have my son in my life. That is so beautiful. (laughs) Just over here, I'm just over here bawling. I, I'm just over here weeping for every mother that has had to bury a child, and for the strength for the strength that you and so many women show that have to go through something like that. Every step, every the finding out that they have passed away, and then staying with them until you sort out funeral details, and then burying your child, and just all of those incredibly difficult situations that I I just can't imagine anyone 
having to do and go through. And, and I, I think that phrase <clears throat> is so beautiful to let the angels carry you. I, I, it, and, and just, again, just that image of just almost like floating, like, okay, here's my body and soul and, and I, I can't do anything. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to do it for me for a while. You're going to have to carry me and lift me and help me. And, and that, and that that's a reality. It's so beautiful to hear you say that, and they do, and they will, and they are there. And I think that truth that you testify of, of in order to feel your loved ones that have passed on, you have to keep the spirit with you. And and that's not at all to say that it is not okay or justifiable or to be angry and mad, because I think that's okay too, that you can be angry and mad and why all you want. And then, and then finding a way to get that spirit back with you so you can be close to them is crucial. And absolutely. I I have moments where I get angry. I just don't stay there. You know, I don't want to get stuck. I mean, anger, it's the human experience is you're going to feel all of the stages of grief, you know, anger, denial, depression, or despair, negotiation, peace, finally surrender eventually. But like, even four years later, I still have like, flashes of anger. And my husband and I, we were on a podcast about a year after we passed. It's called Listen, Learn, and Love by Richard Osler. And my husband and I were interviewed together. And Jeff, my husband had more like, he was, he held onto his anger longer. And he talked about that. And, you know, everybody does it differently, but like, I did have anger and I was just, I would let myself feel it. I would let myself, I'm human. I would allow myself to have that moment or that half of a day, but I don't want to stay there. You know what I mean? I don't want to get stuck there. So I let myself feel it and process it because if I, if I try to block and be like, no, 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 I can't be angry. Like I have to just be spiritual, spiritual about this whole thing. Like that's not realistic at all. Right. Um, I got angry on his death anniversary this year. Cause I was like, it's been four years since I've seen my son. Like yes. that's a long time. That is a and long time. That's really hard. And you know, other people don't have to go through this. This is like a, well, I mean, some people do it's, but it's pretty unique. It's pretty rare. Um, and I'm just like, why do I have to go through this? Like this really yeah. sucks, you know? And I do have those moments absolutely. And I let myself feel them and I let them go through me. I just don't want to like that to become my identity. Right. And that. That is amazing that you can just even just think through that logically, like, okay, I, I, I don't want to be bitter and resentful for myself, for my husband, for my children that are living. And so I'm going to give myself space to feel that, which I think is totally healthy and, and so good. And then be able to move on and, and let heavenly father help heal your heart. So you, you have a podcast yourself, it's called bites of clarity and you talk a lot about this, about self-improvement and healing from loss. Where can people find it? What are some of the things you talk about? Where can people go to listen to that? Is it a daily thing, a weekly thing? Oh, it's a sporadic thing. I mean, I think I've done 10, I think I've done 10 episodes so far. They can find it on iTunes or Spotify. It's just, it's pretty much on every platform. The episodes are pretty short, like 20 minutes or less typically. So it's bites, like B-Y-T-E-S, like a sound bite. And I talk about, you know, trauma triggers, I also just do other life coaching type topics like how to motivate yourself when you're not feeling it, self-compassion, whatever I feel inspired to talk about. It's, I it's love that. sporadic, but it fits in my life. So that's good. <laughs> that's perfect. I need that. I need the how to motivate yourself when you don't feel like that, <laughs> when you don't feel like being motivated. It's honestly, some days I'm like, I know what I need to do. 
and and I know I will feel better when I do it. And I physically cannot get my butt to get up off <laughs> of the. It's almost like when I have so much going on, I'm like, I just I can't. I, I have too much, so now I can't do any of it. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And instead of like my husband, when he gets overwhelmed, he's like, okay, let's knock it out. One path <laughs> after the next. And I'm more like, oh, like a fainting goat. Like, <laughs> and I just give up. So I'll, I need to listen to that one in particular. And maybe I'll need to have you on again and talk about how to be motivated when you don't want to be. And then all of your songs are on iTunes. Wesley's song, The, the Angel. Tell us what The Angel's song is called again. Let the Angels Carry You. Let the Angels Carry You, your Gethsemane song. And then, so for speaking, firesides, devotionals, things like that, you can go to connectwithcamille.com to have you come and speak to Relief Society, young women's groups, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. People can just email me at camillemcconnell at gmail.com if they just want to skip the website. I mean, website's great, but if you just want to contact me, you can just directly email me. That's perfect. And do you ever speak to groups about if there's a loss in the ward, deaths in the ward and, and things like that? Do you ever speak to, to wards or organizations to help them get through loss and grief? I have all, when, when I speak, I usually talk about it, but I haven't specifically done that, but I would love to. I've done kickoff firesides for youth conference. I've done girls camp. I've done other firesides. I love speaking. And singing, I'd usually do both, awesome. sing a couple songs or at least one. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> awesome. I love that, Camille. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on my podcast today and share your story about Sweet Wesley and how the angels have carried you and, and how you've been able to use such a difficult experience to spread goodness to those around you. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Anytime. I am Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy, truly, all in one little app. And you can use promo code doing good, all one word, at checkout, and you get a full month free. So check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com. See you soon.